Good morning, it's so great to see you here today. My name is Michael and I serve with our creative team. Our annual church meeting where members vote to approve our ministry financial plan and elder nominees to serve on our board is coming up on January 31st at our West Chicago campus. More information will be coming, including the proposed financial plan and elder nominee bios. But for now, save the date for 2.30 on January 31st at our West Chicago campus. It's a new year and a great opportunity to get connected with community and a group. Groups are forming now and they're with you to support you through the challenges of life. They're a source of joy, growth, and connection. You can look through the online directory to find a group that's right for you at wheatonbible.org groups. From there, you can sort by your campus, life stage, online only, or in person. And if you're not sure which is right for you, you can chat with us on our website or consider joining a life group that starts with the Rooted experience. Michelle joined a life group in the fall and had this to say, I didn't anticipate the deep connections and genuine life-changing conversation I would experience. My group ended up being more than essential for me as the strong women in my group lifted me up and continually prayed for me. The support I felt helped me through this rough season of quarantine and life. See you in your group. If you missed it last week, we're starting an all-church Bible reading plan this year called the McShine Two-Year Plan. You can get the month's schedule on our website and print it out to keep in a good spot. If you've not yet read through the whole Bible, this is a great chance to do it with a community. Today's reading is Genesis 3 and Matthew 3, just two chapters and you can easily get through it on a train ride to work, listening to a reading in the car, or while you have your morning coffee. We're excited to be reading with you. That's all for today. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We hope you have a happy new year. Happy New Year again from us. We want to start our morning and our year with some good scripture. So listen to this. First Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lamentations says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. We're going to respond together for the first time this year as a body of Christ's faithfulness today. We have uh, seen his faithfulness from Genesis 1 in our new Bible reading all the way until now. God has been our help, our shield, and our strength in ages past, and he will be for years to come. We believe that by faith. Let's stand and sing together.
Will you pray with me? Father, I pray that we as a community, that we would be able in this new year to say that you are our shelter. You're our strength. I pray that we would cling to you and that we would look to you for every need to be met. I pray, Lord, that as we move into this new year, that we would come with a heart that is surrendered to you and that will every day come and confess to you that you would create in us a clean heart, that we would see you in all your beauty. So continue to mold us, bring us together as a church so that we can meet the needs in our community, that we would be a reflection of you wherever we go. Thank you for how we ended last year how we were a church that, that you provided for so that we could meet the needs in our community. And I ask that you would help us to do that again this year. Lord, as we give this year, may we give with open hearts, open hands, and a way to see what you want to do. Join us here this morning. It's your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand.
Like many of you, I've spent some time in the last week reflecting on last year and the coming year, and I would assume, at least I would hope, that many of you would share in my every year Christmas, New Year's struggle. And I find that what I really, really need and what I really, really want can't be put under the Christmas tree and can't be wrapped up. What I really want is I want to want to desire God more than I already do. What I want is I want to win my battles, win my desire for comfort and in my sin. I want my kids to desire God more and I want them to win their battles with sin. And then the new year comes and I have many habits I want to introduce and I have many bad attitudes to fix. And then it's January 3rd or it's at least the end of the month in January, and I realize that I can't do any of these things in my own strength. And what I really, really need is just Jesus. I'm not alone, right? Okay, a few people anyway. Steve introduced me to this book called Gentle and Lowly, and it's basically about Jesus' heart for people. One of the things that it says is, what helium does to a balloon Jesus' yoke does to his followers. We are buoyed along in life by his endless gentleness and supremely accessible lowliness. He doesn't simply meet us at our place of need, but he lives in our place of need. He never tires of sweeping us into his tender embrace. Gentle and lowly is Christ's very heart for his people. And so today I stand here and say, I'd rather have Jesus than be the most impressive person ever. But you'll probably have to remind me every day of that truth. Because in him, I am exactly who I need to be. And that's true for all of us. As the song says, he's all that my hungering spirit needs. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead. I hope that's encouraging you today. Let's stand and sing one more song. I'd rather have Jesus. 
Well, Happy New Year, church. Welcome to 2021. We made it. I, uh, I am so glad to be with you this morning. My name's Phil Shields. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Wheaton Bible Church, and it is good to be with church family this morning. So it's good to be with you here, and if you're online with us, I just want to welcome you. It's so good to have you. hope you find that Wheaton Bible Church is a great place to be in community. Well, I want to encourage you to get your Bibles out, and I want you to turn to Jeremiah 9. And as you turn to Jeremiah 9, I also want you to put a finger in Philippians 3. So we're going to be in the Old and New Testament this morning. Before we jump into that, though, I want to go back to something that was in our morning announcements, and I want to encourage you to take a journey with us this year. We are doing this reading plan, and maybe you've never read through the entire Bible, but this is a great opportunity for you to join us and for us to be doing this together Every week, we're going to read the same text. So imagine all of us reading the same text every day, maybe having coffee together as we read God's Word. But if you have been saying over the years that you want to know God better, you want to just sit in His deep, deep love, then I want to encourage you to jump in on this. It's only January 3rd, so you can catch up. 
And you can find all of those resources on our website. If you go to the resources section, you're also going to find our daily devotions. And we have incredible writers uh, led by Catherine McNeil. And Catherine has put this together. We've been working together. And we're going to be writing devotions that, that really fit the reading that we're going to be doing. So I want to encourage you to join me, others, as we read through God's word, and as we do that, we sit anxiously awaiting what God wants to speak each and every day to our hearts. Amen? Well, this morning we are beginning 2021, and we get to take a look at the subject of knowing him. Knowing who God is and truly knowing his deep love, who he is, and why that is the most important relationship we could ever have. So to do that, we got to look at two places, and I want to invite you to stand with me. We do this out of respect and out of reverence for God's word, because we believe that this word of God is living and active and wants to penetrate our soul. So follow along with me. In Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. And if you flip over to Philippians 3, starting in verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Father, as we read these words, as we look at your holy scriptures, I pray that the words that come from my mouth would be words that you want to speak to us. I pray that this year we would know you deeper than any other year. So take us on this journey. Open our hearts, our minds to what you want to say. Remove the distractions and have your way. It's your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, maybe if, uh, if you're online, you might be doing this right now. For the rest of us, maybe this is something you experienced over the holidays, but have you ever taken a road trip? 
You know, those road trips that sometimes they are amazing trips and other times they have a lot of things that happen in them. I've taken many road trips in my life and a lot of those road trips have memories that I can go back to that are hilarious and they might not have been hilarious in the moment, but they had all of these experiences. But when you take a road trip nowadays, one of the things that you do is you pull out your phone and you put the destination into Google Maps and you hit go. See, on road trips, we often get into our car and we put the destination in and some trips might be several days, some might just be one day. No matter how long, the, the purpose of that road trip and what we are doing in the car remains the same. We have to get to our destination. That's why we put this into our GPS. See, you can know the route that you normally take or you follow all the prompts from uh, your GPS or from your phone, and what can happen is you can miss the landscape along the way. You can be so conscious of, of what is happening, when is the next turn, you can know the route to the destination and you can miss all of the pieces that make that trip beautiful. See, our spiritual life is very similar. It's very, very similar. Our lives can, uh, can look at this way. We, we can make the eternal destination the only thing, and we can, we can miss all of the vital things along our journey. See, when, when we look, look at this, we can point, and many of us here or online could, could point to a time where we prayed a prayer, where we say that we surrendered our life and we, we accepted the invitation of Jesus and we invited Jesus into our life so that we made it to the eternal destination of heaven. And that destination is checked off. And yet, what can happen is that we can forget and we can get distracted. Because we have checked off the box, we miss all the beautiful landscape that God wants to point out along the way. See, our spiritual walk is not just about an eternal destination. It's about every day up until that point. It's God saying, I want you to know me. I think as I've been looking at these texts in Jeremiah and in Philippians and listening to what Jeremiah writes and what Paul says, I believe there's a truth that I've been wrestling with. And I think it's a truth that we all have to wrestle with. It's simply this, it's that your identity isn't found, it's not found in what you boast about yourself, but in the transforming God you boast about knowing. See, your identity is not going to be found in what you boast about yourself, but it's going to be found in this transformational God that you boast about knowing. So as we look at this, I want to move through uh, three ways that we have to look at this. The first is that we're going to look at the, the identity lie. And then we're going to look at the source of identity. 
And then lastly, we'll end with the transformation of our identity. So let's start with the identity lie. Look back at Jeremiah 29, verse 23. When you're there, what we end up seeing is that this is where the lie comes about. See, as you and I move through our stages of life from early childhood to our dying day, we will struggle thinking that the destination of life, the purpose of life, has everything to do with me. We have this inner struggle. It's not just about ourselves, but it's living in a manner where we boast about the me. We boast about the me accomplishments or the me wisdom or the me items. And the reason we move down that path is because we have drunk the Kool-Aid of me. We all have this experience. Because what we tend to fall into is thinking that all of life is about us as individuals. And in reality, we like the destination of the road trip because the road trip often goes to me. But that type of living is a lie. It's a lie that we fall into. And the reason that we know this is because of what Jeremiah 9.23 says. Listen to it again. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. Now, this is a fascinating verse. It's fascinating, especially when you look at the Hebrew, the way that it was originally written. And what you find is that there is a word that is used over and over again in the Hebrew, and it's the Hebrew word of hallelujah. Now, hallelujah sounds very similar to another word that we all know, hallelujah. Now, the difference is this. When you say hallelujah, it means that you are giving praise to Yahweh, that you are giving praise to the Lord. But hallelujah means just praise. Now, what's interesting is that Jeremiah is writing this, and he sees, he's writing this word, and he's writing it in a form to reflect that this praise is given to someone or onto something. So when we see hallelujah, Jeremiah is writing down the words of God and he is literally saying, this is what this verse is is trying to say, don't try to get praise from your wisdom, your strength, and your riches. See, God is saying, don't try to gain hallelujah for yourself. When we look at this, here's what we have to understand is that the lie is that your identity is found through the recognition of what you do and have. The world wants to tell you that the lie is that who you are, whether you are three years old or 90, that you're Your identity is going to be found in gaining recognition from others because of what you do or what you have. And the lie is that we believe that the acclaim of others is the point of life. 
See, verse 23 in Jeremiah is telling us about these people who who want the standing ovation, who, who want the ongoing compliments, the recognition of others. And they build their life upon it. The identity is formed that because, and it's saying that the lie is that your worth, your personality, your success, your growth, etc., is built on what other people see you as and how much they applaud you. We see this throughout life. If you look at musical artists or athletes, professional athletes, one of the things you find is that whenever they finally retire, they struggle in life because all of a sudden the applause is gone. I mean, imagine if night after night you were in a stadium and people were just cheering and cheering for you and all of a sudden it was gone. And God's telling us, don't, don't pursue this. Don't go for that. Notice in the source of the three examples that are given in verse 23 that each one, the source of it is their wisdom their strength, their riches. It all has to do with an individual. Now the reason that Jeremiah is writing this is because of the context of what is taking place, and for that you have to go back to verse 22. See, in verse 22, it's a miserable verse. In fact, this is a a really miserable, depressing verse. It ends up saying this, say, this is what the Lord declares, dead bodies will lie like done on the open field, like cut grain behind the reaper with no one to gather them. Well, there's nothing joyful in that verse. (laughs) See, the reason that God ends up saying don't boast is because the nation of Israel was falling apart. God's people were falling apart because what they were doing was basing all of life on themselves. And as they would fall apart, what they would end up doing is that so many would eventually die that there weren't enough to bury the dead bodies that were laying in the streets. Why? Because their focus was on themselves rather than knowing the God that chose them. It's interesting, whenever we look at this, we can see that that God's people were saying that they knew God, but in reality, they only knew about God. They didn't know him. See, they were banking their worth on themselves. So what we have to understand is in the whole storyline of Scripture, what we see from the first act of sin in Genesis to today, we find that our hearts want the recognition of supposed greatness. We want the recognition from everybody else, and then what we find is that it never lasts. You get the compliment today and you wake up tomorrow and it still isn't enough. We, we continue to wrestle with this and we think that the applause and the cheers of, of mankind 
are going to end up transforming our inner self, and it's never enough. Friends, hear me on this. When you build your identity off of created things, it's a very cheap and incredibly unstable identity that you're building it on. If you build your identity on created things, your life is going to fall apart. See, what Jeremiah is telling us is that human wisdom, human strength, human riches are cheap imposters to what God wants to pour into your life. So when we look at this, I want to ask you, are you trying to gain praise? Who are you trying to gain praise from? It could be friends, neighbors, your boss, maybe your family. How are you boasting? Let me just remind you that your identity isn't found in what you boast about yourself, but in the transformational God you boast about knowing. So the lie is there. But now we have to look at what is the source of our identity? How do we not buy into the lie and where do we go? And that's where we end up looking at verse 24. See, Jeremiah writes verse 23, and then he writes verse 24. But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. You know, when God created the earth and he created all peoples, he created amazing cultures. Absolutely amazing cultures. And every culture is different. See, we have cultures in our world that actually go about life thinking very low of themselves. It is proper for them in their culture to never raise their head or look to one another uh, in the look at one another in the eye when they're conversing. Because the thought is, is that we are lowly people. And we aren't worthy to speak to others. And then we have our American culture. Our American culture that, you know, we tell every child and every adult, if you just put your mind to it, you can accomplish it. You better look at them in the eye because if you do, that means that you can lead them. You can have whatever you want. Your opinion matters. We know this because on social media, everybody puts their opinion out there. So we have these cultures, and both cultures have tremendous flaws. It's it's just full of flaws. But then we look at what Jeremiah writes, and he's writing the words of the Lord, and he ends up saying this, let the one who boasts, boast. I got to tell you, when I read that, if I read it quickly, I end up going, what in the world is Jeremiah saying here? Why would he tell us to boast? That's not something we should do. And what Jeremiah is saying is that boasting is a piece of who we are. 
and something we should do, but why? It's because of the contrast between verse 23 and 24. Verse 23, the boasting was about their wisdom, their strength, their riches. And in verse 24, the boasting isn't tied to an individual's success or performance. It's tied to the source of identity. It's tied to the creator of identity, the creator of your identity. This boasting has nothing to do with you. It has to do with someone else. And so look at what the text says the boasting is to be about. We boast, but we boast about a God who has given us the ability, the desires, the wisdom, the faith, the truth to understand him. To have the understanding to know God. To have the understanding to know the creator of the world and that you and I can converse with him. That's what we are to boast about. So it's waking up every morning going, you're not going to believe this. I have the opportunity to talk with the creator of the world. I boast about his glory and what he provides, not anything that I think I can do. What's fascinating is Paul in Philippians says it a little differently, but Paul often would go back to the Old Testament and love the Old Testament. And then he was writing in the New Testament, and he says this, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Do you hear it? Paul is boasting. He's boasting about this God that loves him. And so Paul and Jeremiah are saying that nothing can form our identity like the relationship that happens in knowing God. Nothing. Author J.I. Packer says it this way, knowing God is a relationship calculated to thrill a person's heart. Calculated to thrill a person's heart. See, your identity isn't in thinking less of yourself. It's not found in thinking more of yourself. The source of your identity is found in knowing God. And not just facts about God, knowing him intimately. Resting in him. So as we look at this in Jeremiah and him saying that we have the means to understand who the Lord is. And notice what he says. The Lord of kindness, the Lord of justice, the Lord of uh, righteousness. I believe that there's four ways that we can know God and know him well. Here's the the first way. The first way to do this is through listening. Listening. I don't know if you're a good listener, and if you're sitting next to somebody and you elbow them because they're not a good listener, then you better be listening yourself, okay? 
In order to know God, we have to listen. In fact, this, the reason this is so simple to understand is because the beginning of our text today, in verse 23, it says, this is what the Lord says. God is speaking. And let me remind you that God is not done speaking. It doesn't matter if there is a pandemic or a change in leadership or tensions throughout a country or wars. God is speaking and he wants to speak to his people so that we know him deeply. So are you listening? And not the type of listening where you're doing something else and you kind of hear the words. Are you listening to his voice and what he is saying to you? He has given his word and the Holy Spirit to his followers so that we can know him through listening. But it's not just listening. The other thing we have to do is that we need to be meditating. You might be like, well, what is meditating all about? And basically what it is, is it's digging into God's word. It's, it's jumping in, not just reading or listening to the scriptures, but interacting with them, asking the questions and wrestling with it and saying, what does this text want to speak to me and to all of humanity? It's meditating, saying, okay, God, what is this word of you saying about you? What do I need to take in? See, what we need to understand is meditating is not fast. In a world where we move at fast paces, what we have to understand is meditating is slowing down. And it's taking the time to say, what does God want to speak to me in this moment. So if we're going to get to know God in a deeper way, we're going to listen, we're going to meditate, and then we're going to use this word, contenting. Contenting. We're, this is a word that I wanted to put in because we have to understand that whenever uh, Jeremiah is writing what God is saying, we have to be content that the source of our identity is God and not our opinion or our wisdom. That we are content with God dropping us exactly where we're at. And that we're okay with life and where he has us. That we get to know him by not constantly saying, I need more, I need more, I need more. By saying, God is enough. So let me ask you, are you content with God? Are you content that he is more than enough? See, contentment means that we are disciples that aren't about consumerism, that we are about sitting at the Savior's feet and listening to him. So there's listening, there's meditating, there's contenting, and then the last thing is obeying. See, as we understand who God is, we then see how we are to obey. 
Now, this seems weird in, in knowing uh, relationships and to say that we want to have an intimate relationship with God, but this is how I started thinking through it. I was thinking about my relationship with my wife, Angie. It's not that I have to obey Angie. See, if my relationship is going to grow with Angie, if I'm going to get to know her in deeper ways and I'm going to know who she is and continue to do that all the days of my life, it's not that I obey Angie, it's that I obey the vows that I took on our wedding day. I obey the commitment that I made to her. And because I obey it, I then get to know her in deeper and deeper ways. Well, it's similar with God. Whenever we invite God to, to invade our life, to have our life, to surrender to him that he is Lord of our life, we all of a sudden say, I want to obey this word. And as I obey it, I'm going to get to know the risen Savior more and more each day. See, if you have a problem with obeying God, then you're going to have a problem with getting to know him. So let me ask you, as you start this new year, how will you put these four things into your life? What will you do with them? So we see that that's the source of our identity is found in, in God, and these are the ways that we get to know him. And then we have to move to the transformation of our identity. Paul writes about that in Philippians 3 we see this transformation take place. I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago, and it, if you're not a sports fan, I'm sorry, but I was listening to a sports podcast, and this interview uh, that was taking place, and it was this interview with Masai Ujiri. You might be going, who is Masai Ujiri? He's the general manager of the Toronto Raptors. Masai was born in England, born to Nigerian parents, and has uh, his roots deep within Nigerian culture. He tells this story of when he was a young executive in the NBA. There was a large group of executives that went to South Africa. As they were meeting in South Africa, there was an opportunity to meet Nelson Mandela. And so what they did is Mandela only will meet with a, several people. He won't meet with the large group. And so they did a raffle. Masai, being from Nigeria, was super excited, thinking, I want to meet Nelson Mandela. And he pulled his number, and he didn't get the opportunity. There was an American executive there that actually pulled this number to get the chance to meet Mandela. And as he looked around, he saw Masai, and he thought, it's more important for Masai to meet Mandela than me. And so he went to Masai and he gave him the number and said, I want you to meet with him. Jiri ends up telling the story and he says, that day was one of the most impactful days of my life. He says, the graciousness by one man to give me the opportunity to talk with Nelson Mandela changed my life. Now, I don't know that Messiah is a believer, but what had happened out of that is that he has stayed close to his roots in Africa and also his roots in Canada, and he has been working to meet incredible needs. He's one of the few general managers that continues to do this and that he is actively involved 
in his charitable work. Now, you might be saying, well, why am I saying this? See, if, if your life can be changed through one act of graciousness and sitting and talking to one human individual, imagine how your life will be changed if you sit and you talk with the creator of the world each and every day. Imagine how your life would change and how God will transform your identity. See, in Philippians 3, we read earlier that Paul shares this transformation. He says, knowing God changes who you are and where you find your worth. He's saying that he, he writes that the surpassing worth of knowing Christ changes who you are. See, when you spend time knowing God, you then desire to be found in him. You desire that. And so what God's going to do is you get to know him, he's going to change your identity. And this is what Paul wrote. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And get this. And participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Folks, this was a man who previously was persecuting Christians and killing them and wanted the applause of the Jewish leaders. And when he met Christ, His life was transformed and he now considers all of that garbage and he says, I just want to know him. See, what Paul is sharing is that knowing God isn't only about the destination, but about knowing him every step of the journey, seeing the landscape of God all around us. So friends, the more you get to know God, know him, not just knowing about him, the more your identity is going to be changed. The more you will be transformed. And so you have to ask yourself, is he enough? In verse 12 of Philippians 3, Paul tells us that the transformation is a process and so he presses on knowing the Savior. But here's what the beautiful truth is is that knowing God is not a performance-based relationship. He, He views it differently. See, knowing God is the best decision, an impactful thing that can take place in your life. But what's even more impactful, more impactful for us today, is that the God that we spend time worshiping each week here, the God that you cry out to in your needs, the God who created the world, the God who sent his son for you, the God who willingly went to a cross, gave up his life, who conquered death and rose from the grave, knows you. It's not incredibly great that we know him. It's incredibly great that he, the king of heaven, knows us. Is he enough? 
See, when we look at this, we have to remember that your identity isn't found in what you boast about yourself, but in the transforming God that you boast about knowing. So I want to give you two practical steps to take today. The first is this, start reading God's word with us. If you're going to know him, you're going to know him through his word. So take that step today. Join us. The second thing is, is that when Jesus came, he gathered his disciples and he knew that his disciples, if they were going to pursue his will, they needed to be together. Well, we need to be together. And so I want to encourage you to join a group, whether that's a life group that starts with Rooted or maybe you need to go to Alpha or maybe it's joining place for you, diving in for you ladies to dive into God's word with some other women. For you men, jumping into our men's ministry with Huddle and, uh, and our Saturday morning men or our senior men, you ladies, some of you would want to join our senior women's. But jumping in with others and pursuing knowing God. May that be what we are known about in 2021. Father, I ask that you would continue to guide us as we get to know you. I pray, Lord, that we would not see you as a God of facts, but that we would see you as a God who intimately wants to know us and for us to know you, that this is about a relationship of diving into your word, seeing who you are, and that you are the thrill of our heart. I pray that you would have your way in each of us. And Lord, if there is someone here or someone that is watching that does not know you, I pray that today they would surrender their life to you. That they would just speak to you and say, I realize I'm a sinner. And that I need a Savior. So Jesus, come into my life. Transform me. And for those of us that have been longtime believers, Lord, I pray that we would be disciples that desire to mature and to know you and to boast about your glory. That you are the God of kindness, justice, and righteousness. And that people would know you because we know you well. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
Would you stand with me? As we enter this new year, may God do incredible things, speak amazing things to you. If you have any questions about joining a group or uh, getting involved here at Wheaton Bible Church, I want to encourage you to look for some of our staff. Uh, Pastor Mark Irvin will be in the atrium. You can look for a name tag out there um, and talk to him. He'd love to answer questions, and some of our other staff will be out there. If you're online, send us your questions. We'd love to help you get connected in this new year. So let me just pray this prayer over us today. Father, we see the need for you. Form our identities based on you and your glory. And remove the items in our life that keep us from knowing you deeper. And may 2021 be a blessing, whether it's in suffering or in the glory of your resurrection. May we live for you and know you well. I pray this for my friends here. And it's your name I pray. Amen. Happy New Year. Have a great week.